Well, Father Jonathan, how we doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. Just kind of, you know, hanging out, getting, learning my way around this big city. Yeah, man. Any, uh, any finds, any treasure that you have found in Manhattan yet? Any cool spots? Ooh, did I mention the Ghostbusters firehouse already? No. <laughs> Guess what is right <laughs> by my academy. No way. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, it's cool. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. What is it? Is it really a firehouse still? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can't go in and tour it because it's a functioning firehouse. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. It kind of reminds me of in San Francisco, the full house house. It's like not inside. Like the inside is not the thing that you expect yeah. it to be, you know? Apparently that's similar to something about Friends. I don't really know. I don't. I never watched that show. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, anyway. So anyway, so uh, we're back, you know, doing our thing here. And uh, yesterday we had Mass. Did you get a chance to preach somewhere? Or are you still looking, finding your way around? Still looking. Still finding my way around. Mm-hmm. Um, been to some really neat churches. The problem is, um, you know, I'm in kind of the, the bougie, posh part of Manhattan. I mean, all of Manhattan, I guess, is like that. But where I am especially. And so it's it's like, you know, we tend to gravitate more towards... You know the outskirts, the low income. You know the people right, that right. actually need help. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so it's like, uh, do I do that or do I go to what's local and mm-hmm. like reach out to the spiritual needs of my actual community that I live in and where I go to school, or do I go far, far away to find something? Yeah. No, so that's no. kind of what I'm struggling with right now. I mean, you could pay a lot of money to commute to a poor parish. You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. Kind of the irony at times is that you have to pay a lot of money to be near those who have nothing. Um, yeah. So uh, I did get to preach yesterday. So now, now that I'm back in a, a parish context, I, I'm on the full rotation. You know, I'm on every day I have a mass yeah. and all that. Um, this upcoming weekend, for example, I'll have three masses uh, cool. to, pre- to preach at, which will be great. I think it might be my first time preaching at three consecutive masses. Um, yeah. Uh, which will be great. So actually, I wanted to, before we get into the Sunday readings for this upcoming Sunday, I want to touch base with you about a few things related to preaching that have been kind of bothering me and back of my mind. And just Ooh, kind of get your t- two cents on them. So, so something happened yesterday that was uh, unforeseen. Uh, we lost power in the church, but we decided to continue having mass. So there was no yeah. AC, but there was also no microphone. Um, which, for most people, no microphone is a <laughs> bit of a pain. But not for you. Not not for me. <laughs> as I sit here, one foot behind my microphone to to not overwhelm you, you know. Um, <laughs> And I, I was very happy to be able to, like, project and be able to preach well and all that. Yeah. And it worked out really well, and I, I was kind of okay with my homily. But the thing that came to me as feedback is something that I've been hearing a lot uh, from people the last two months as I've been preaching in the United States now. Um, this happened in the DR, and it also happened in Houston and in Dallas and now in Miami, where someone will take me aside and say, Father, great job, loved it, really great, but you speak too fast. Oh, and so so this is where I want your feedback because I know that I'm a fast talker because I'm a fast thinker and I talk at a speed that re- like correlates to the way that I think, and I know that it's faster than the way that you speak, for example. Um, but it, it gets to a question that maybe is a little bit more theoretical: is like how much should I adapt my way of speaking to the people in the congregation? Um, yeah. And here, here's why I say that because every time it was people who were older. <laughs> And, what are you trying to say? Well, what, I was trying to, what I'm thinking about is, I'll give you a very practical example. This happened in Houston, and someone fed back to me afterwards that, you know, you're speaking too fast. And this is an older gentleman. Okay. Um, but then afterwards, my mom spoke to me 
Uh, she said, I don't think you speak that fast, but I'm used to you. But there was mm-hmm. someone that I invited to this mass, she said, who is not a churchgoer who really loved your homily and hasn't been to the church and wants to continue going. She wants to know mm. where you're going to be. And so I thought to myself, like, like the people in the pew, are they just used to old man, like, droning on? <laughs> yeah. And, like, yeah. like, help me through you know, that because I feel a little bit well, kind of judged, you know? So there's a similar problem that happens. And I came up against this. I don't even remember if I brought this up on the show or not. But in Berkeley, you know, we've had all these guys from all over the world studying at JST. And a lot of them would go out to, you know, your random parish for a Sunday mass. And we had a couple of guys that would come in to where I was, where I was deaconing. And almost every time I heard, not that they spoke too fast, but just that their accent was too thick. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I wonder if there's a similar thing, because, I mean, I was, I lived with them, so I, you know, I, I heard them talk all day long. And so I, I didn't, f- I mean, I know that obviously I recognized that they had accents, but, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm, know, I was mm-hmm. used to listening for what they were trying to say. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I wonder if there is something to... Not like, not so, and I'm not trying to say like, you just need to wait until people get to know you. Although that, that's a thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think you're right. Like people are just expecting kind of a drone. Yeah. 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 Something and, that they can go to sleep to. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. And, and I'm, I'll, just to be honest and fair, like I, I, I do hear our conversation from the outside and realize like, okay. Like I'm defending myself and trying to like pick up the pieces of my fra- yeah. like my fragile ego, I guess. But yeah. I, I honestly think part of it is like I don't want to preach to the person in the pew. Like yeah. <laughs> I want to preach to the person on the street to come into the church. You know. Um, yeah, there are different theologies on that. I mean, like, uh, you know, I'd heard this talk at one point when I was in Denver over the role of mass. Like we talk, we use this these words like source and summit. Uh, is that the same thing as catechesis? Mm. Is that the same thing as evangelization? Right. It's part of it, sure. Don't get me wrong. But is that its primary function? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think this. I think this brings in a, a wider question on what is the role of the homily to begin with. Yeah. I mean, yeah. is that the thing that people are there for? It's a part of it. Again, yeah. yeah. I mean, like we can't separate these things, like they used to be separated. Right. We can't do that anymore. It's it's right. an integral part of, of our worship experience, but it's not the only part of our worship experience. Right. Right. So how do we how do we navigate that that tension of well we want to emphasize something and we want to do it really 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 well, mm-hmm. but we mm-hmm. don't also don't want to distract from what comes next. Right. Right. And so, yeah. Yeah, this is a tension, man, because you're right, because I do want to be like the evangelist and preaching the gospel from the pulpit, but maybe that's not the purpose of the homily. Maybe that's the purpose of me like going literally out onto the street and preaching the gospel yeah, or, yeah. or having classes, and that's fair. That's fair. Anyway, this is in the back now, of my mind, and I want us to yeah, keep talking about it for sure. I will say, just as kind of a closing so we can get onto the readings, but like I, I do think, and this was a big part of that class that I took in, in theology studies uh, with the Orthodox School on vocalizing theology. Like, and we have the benefit of recording ourselves speaking, you know, every week. And so we can hear the way that we, that we use our words and how we, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, whatever. Mm -hmm. But like, and a lot of guys don't get that, even though we do all these recorded video masses. Mm -hmm. How Mm -hmm. many guys go back and listen to their homily after they've given it? Hardly not many. Yeah. Um, But for me, the bigger part of that was to actually look at the text, these really long prayers that sometimes don't make a lot of sense. Mm Mm-hmm. 
and sit with them and pray with them and like figure out how to say them, to pray them in a, in a way that's not just, well, I'm saying the magic words so that the magic on the altar happens because mm. that's not what we believe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's also not, well, let me just be, you know, be myself. I'm just going to go up there and talk as, you know, as Jonathan. That's not the goal either. Mm. And so there has to be a tension between, yeah, it has to be me speaking but it's not just me up there speaking, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, that's good. I appreciate that. I think in my mind, it's, I want also, the, like, my ego is at play, too. Like, I I want people to like me. You know, I want people to like yeah. what I say and like how I preach. And, yeah. like that, and so, I think that's natural. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's a human thing to, to want to be liked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, good. let's shelve this for a second. And let's get to the readings for this upcoming week. Yeah. We, we can come back to this topic in the future for sure, because I'm sure it'll come back up again. I'm sure I'll be corrected again. again. I, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's. I think it's somewhat apropos because we're talking about people with with their speech, mm. you know. And both the first reading and in the gospel, there's, you know, this this opening of our mouths mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so that we may speak. The psalm response: "Praise the Lord, my soul." Like these are all very actively vocal. A lot of the time, vocal yeah. ways of of praying. Yeah. And so I think it is somewhat appropriate, you know, to be to be concerned with this. Yeah. No. Fair enough. Um, fair enough. Like, what does that mean? What does it mean to be open? Like we were just saying, is it just so that I can, you know, that I can be me? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or am I opening so that Christ can speak through me? You right, know, right. Yeah, and and a lot of these things are, I mean, just like your own experience, like a lot of the time, this stuff is way easier said than done. Right. I right. mean, think about the way that we've been talking about homiletics since the Second Vatican Council, and still how bad we are at it. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. it's clearly not just about talking about these things. Right. There has there's something more that's I think still missing, unfortunately. Right. right. So maybe also dovetailing off that a little bit, uh, the second reading, I think, maybe also can kind of fit with this this tension of no, like showing no partiality. Like in, in particular here, the, the emphasis is on poverty and riches. Like don't yeah. just prefer. And I love how plain spoken James is, you know, uh, don't say sit here, please. You know, while you say to the poor one, stand over there. Um, <laughs> like that's very direct, like good pastoral advice. Right. Um, but even if you just abstract from this, a little bit and say like show no partiality to who your audience is like just mm-hmm. preach to all at once you know and like that's an impossible task and i try to like pedagogically think of one particular person i'm talking to uh to help me speak but how mm-hmm. am i maybe like invited to not show partiality but just to preach the gospel um without caring of like does did this person receive it well or did that person receive it well am i speaking that person's language or this person's speed just showing no partiality and preaching the gospel as best as i can you know yeah. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about that a lot today in, in a different context. Um, I mean, so I'm doing this art school thing and, you know, I'm sitting around looking at a lot of these, there are more contemporary pieces in my, in my school. And one of the things that I strive to do and what I want to learn how to do is to capture some of that timelessness hmm. that we see from, from the mass, the past masters, you know, like there's something about them that holds up to today, and I think preachers have that too. Uh, Pope Benedict, for example, you read his homilies from the 60s and 70s, and you could have sworn that they were written for today. Yeah, like there's just a timelessness to them. Yeah, that I think it's important, and I think that gets to what you're saying is like, okay, well, if I'm only speaking to the here and the now, then when it's not here and now, it's not going to make any sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And right. that's a trap. It'll age poorly. That's a trap. It'll age poorly for yeah. sure. For sure, um, maybe pivoting. Now we should Im- Im- involve, you know, 
what's going on right now. Like we want right. to stay relevant in that sense. But but if that becomes the focus, then we've lost the focus, which is mm. Jesus. Yeah. I mean, you could you can even continue to connect that with like the first reading is that there's a timelessness to what God is doing. It's thus says the Lord, say to those whose hearts are frightened, be strong, fear not. He's come to save you. Like that's yeah. that's a perennial yeah. message, you know? Yep. And it's not fashionable at any time and at all times. Like it's an it's Jesus has come to save you, Alleluia, Alleluia, and that's the gospel. You know, I don't <laughs> need to be hip, I don't need to be cool, I just need to preach the gospel and let it let it be. You know, it's timeless. There's yeah. a timeless timeless beauty to it. Um kind of going back to what last week, you know, don't add or subtract anything to the law. Well, don't mm-hmm. add or subtract anything there to the is. gospel. <laughs> like it's just Boom. let it Boom. be beautiful. Like it's a beautiful yeah. message this week of like, I was even trying to read these readings and think, like, well, what's my angle? What's the, what's the pivot that I want to take? It's like, this is very simple. Like, Jesus comes to heal you and let him touch you. Like, let him heal you. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 You know, there's like a, there's an interesting, um, and again, I'm thinking back to this person that, not to this particular person, but this idea that sometimes we, we learn to expect what we're not supposed to want. Hmm like the bad preacher. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And what what we even think we don't what you know whatever. Uh No, I get you. I get you. And so I wonder if there's a way of like, well, all of these things that have been added and subtracted and I'm going to backtrack a little bit because I've lost my train of thought already. Uh, <laughs> well, like But yeah. I think there's a way that we can lose sight of what we've been given, you know, mm. and if uh oh, here we go. You know, and I've I've thought this for a long time, especially since I started preaching regularly. Like if if the gospel, and quite frankly, all of the scripture, if it's not shocking you, then you're, you're probably not reading it with the right mind. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like if you're not moved with compassion and pity and frustration and anger by some of the things that's happening that Jesus is doing, like if you're not, if you're not, if you don't feel seen, <laughs> uh, then you're not doing it right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's right. That's right. That's right. Um, how would you how would you connect that explicitly to today's gospel? Can you? With the uh, with the blind man, with the mute man. Well, I think that's yeah. I think that's a way of um, being opened. Like, mm-hmm. am I open enough to see that it's not all of the other people that are blind? <laughs> mm-hmm. It's me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, right. I mean, that's the predicament that a blind person finds themselves spiritually blind person mm-hmm. finds themselves in like they don't know that they're blind but i think again that's that's the 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 squeeze of the gospel mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like it's there so that we might see that we need jesus to come and save us right right you know i've been i've been like staring at the phrase be open for a while here and i just love yeah, it it's that's a com- the one that i come back to as well i, just, I love it's a command like it's like it's like jesus speaking to lazarus in the tomb it's the same kind of voice that I hear Jesus say that, you know, Lazarus, come forth, uh, you know, be opened, like that kind of Jesus giving commands and things becoming so, you know, like that very powerful language of Jesus. I don't know. I find that very moving um, that he just doesn't want us to be healed. He actually does it too, you know. Um, I'm just really struck by that because there's something really powerful in the way that Jesus's language is like effective, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm, I'm struck to the heart by it. I don't know. Well, no, I mean, that that's, again, that goes back to the beginning, you know, that's the command uh, of God of for creation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, he spoke the world into existence. And that's how Jesus heals as well. I mean, he's, he's showing his divinity by, by these holy words, these holy commands. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And we need it. I think, again, like, uh, that's part of it, you know? Stop looking at your... Uh, yeah, let me just keep going. Stop looking at yourself and be open. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, this is precisely, like, the kind of weekend where praying... Sorry, we're preaching... Uh, the sacrament of reconciliation is the most obvious of things, Ooh, you know? Yeah. Uh, where it's just like, like the first reading is so plain. Like it's so plain. It's right in front of you. He's come to save you. What does that look like? Your eyes are opened. Your, you know, your ears are opened. You walk like you're healed. You're made uh, whole again. Like this is your invitation to go to the sacrament of reconciliation, be made whole again. And the same thing in the gospel, that's your chance. That's his Jesus going into the confessional with you. I don't know. Yeah. I can preach a whole gospel on that. Like salvation yeah. is to be yeah, healed, yeah. you know? I love it. I love it. Let me ask you this. There's something that I could see that is a possible hiccup mm-hmm. into what we've been saying. So this great command, be opened. Mm-hmm. Well, well, a few lines later, we've got a pretty explicit order for them not to tell anyone. Oh, but yeah. But they ignored it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Huh. So what? Yeah, what do we make of that? I mean, like, there's this wonderful sense of you know they've seen these great things that this Jesus has done, and they can't not shout to the world, right? All right. the good things that he's done. Like, I get that. That's beautiful. But he also is like, don't do that. Yeah. So it's curious. Like the two lines right next to each other are very like stark. Like it's a stark contrast. And he spoke plainly. He ordered them not to tell anyone. You know. So yeah. One one is given. Well, hold on, hold on. Oh, here we go. One is given by Jesus the power to speak. The others have not been. There we go. Yeah. The one. Mm, there's the, something there. The one. The one who is being told to speak is the one who is given the grace to speak. Yeah. Because what happens when <laughs> when all these randos start trying to use these words of power? Yeah. They they can't deliver anyone from anything, you know, and, and they, they and they they start to look at themselves like it's this whole process that we were talking about last week. Yep, yep, you know, it yep. becomes about their words rather than Jesus's words. Ooh, I like that a lot. Oh, oh that's, there's a whole homily there. Like you, I, I'm starting to think about how we often criticize people for using jargon in the spiritual life, or it's yeah, like yeah. Have have you? Been, <laughs> it's not you about know, that. Like, have you been touched by the living God, and have you been made open and been called forth from the death of your tomb? Uh, to where you can be given the words by Christ to preach the good news, or are you just abstracting from someone else's experience, <laughs> like what the words are, oh, and man. and then you just speak to it? It's like no, 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 be quiet. <laughs> like the one who has been healed is the one who needs to speak. You know? Right. Right. Wow. Man, that's that's blowing my mind right now. Yeah, it is Not funny because like there is a contrast in other gospels, and I think even in Mark's gospel earlier is that there are. There are healings where Jesus does tell the person healed not to say anything. But, like, the point is that your healing and Jesus' command to be able to speak is what gives you the authority to speak, (laughs) not, you know, your own own judgment, you know? This will be my final thought that, you know, look at those last two lines. He has done all things well. He makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. Yep. Yep. Like, that sounds like a nice thing. But when you start thinking about it in the broader context, like throughout all of the Gospels, it's never about the physical healing. Hmm. Like that's not what we focus on. The miracle is salvation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The miracle is that encounter that you were just talking about. So exactly what we were just saying, they're doing the thing that he told them not to do. They're looking at the physical miracle. Right, right. And they want to make him a king according to their standards of what salvation is, you know? that he's the miracle worker, you know? And I think this will be my parting thought too, is that 
in the first reading, the word is save. Like, he comes to save mm-hmm. you. Yeah. And then save means regaining sight, regaining your tongue, right. your leaping. Like, there's all these great, beautiful physical analogies of, of healing. Side, of, side effects. Yeah, or, or maybe metaphors, too. Like, metaphors, side mm-hmm. effects. Like, the point is salvation. Like, Jesus right. came to save. Like, don't confuse the healing from the healer. You know, the healer right. is what we want, you know? Right. Um, anyway, no, this is good. This is good. Hey, again, the, the final punchline is what we, <laughs> we finally get to. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. All right, buddy. Till next time. All right, pal. Peace.